and welcome to Don't Feed the Geeks, presented by the Long Island Comic Guys, the masters of the geeky verse. Welcome back, Geek Freaks. We have an awesome episode for you guys today. Uh, our interview with famous writer Jimmy Palmiotti. You know him for Harley Quinn, Jonah Hex, Painkiller Jane. Really great interview. Um, you don't want to miss that one. Um, and then we have a pretty cool closing as well. Um, Ali from Elite Comics 11 is going to join us again. We're going to talk about AtCon, a few more Remedy Tours. Uh, sorry, AtCon 2 and a few more upcoming Remedy Tours. So you guys don't want to miss that as well. Um, but we're going to do something a little different uh, instead of in lieu of the geek beat. Uh, we had a friend pass away recently, um, Tom Maletta, uh, you know, a former interview uh, we had in the past of Best Comics International. Uh, he recently passed away um, a little suddenly. Uh, no one really knew. And, uh, you know, that was all our shops. Um, you know, I'm here. This is TC. You know, Toy Story is also here and um, JJ. And, you know, we we wanted to take this time to just kind of, you know, reminisce about Tom and, you know, Best Comics and what him and, you know, his contribution to you know, the hobby really meant to us. So I don't know who wants to kick it off. Do you want to start this yeah. um, Toy Story? You yeah, kind of sure. probably knew him the longest. Yeah, I've known Tom a while. So I used to, um, in high school, driving home, my, I drove home my senior year. So I passed, um, I went to Chaminade and Jericho Turnpike and going back to Queens, I always passed by Best Comics. And I've always seen it. I was never into comics, really. Um, I was into the movies and stuff like everybody else, but um, I was always like, oh, maybe I'll stop in there one day. And I remember when the whole thing with Peter Parker dying and Doc Ock taking over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, that sounds really cool. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go grab a copy of that. And so I went there, and it was the first time I went in the store, and I went to go get that book. And I think it was. It wasn't the day it came out. It was like the week after or whatever. So I was already selling at a super, you know, inflated price. I think it was like forty bucks or something at the time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, so I went in, and it was Tom. I didn't know he was the owner or whatever, but I asked him about this. I was like, you know, I've you know, never gotten into this stuff before, but I just heard about Peter Parker, and he's like, yeah, you're not the first one. <laughs> you know, who's never read comics before, and he's like, you know, what's your name? This, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for a copy of this book, and he's like, he pulls one off the out of the corner that's marked 40 bucks, and he's like, here's this for you. And I'm like, what do you mean for me? He's like, it's for you. Read it, enjoy it, come back. And so that first book, my first comic book, he gave me for free. You know, that's awesome. And he gave you that one for free. Yeah, too, he huh? did. That's yeah. great. That's really nice. And so obviously became a customer after that and went every <laughs> single Wednesday on the way home from school. And then five months later, I was graduating, and we we're just in conversation. We were graduating, and and I told him I was graduating. And Zach, actually, Bojo, offered me a job there. He had already talked to Tom, apparently, a couple weeks before. And Tom was like, yeah, I want that kid. And I was I was a kid. I was like 18, 17 at the time. And so I started working there when I was 17, doing, you know, eBay stuff, computer, whatever. And I've worked there ever since, and I'm 25 now. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was it was like nearly at least, right? Yeah, it was nearly full time for a good four or five years until I got a you know real job, obviously. And but even then, I couldn't stay away. I was away for a couple months. (laughs) Yeah, you know, (laughs) 
my full-time job with my major. So I couldn't stay away. And I eventually came back after work and worked until eight o'clock on Wednesdays, you know, up until before this this coronavirus thing started. You know, the last time I worked was just right before they closed down everything. So I really worked there from for a good nine years almost, eight, eight years almost. And what year was it that you started working there? 2012 or 2013, must have been. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I've known him a long time, and I was, you know, I was, I had never had, like, a retail job or anything like that before. And so, obviously, he put me in front of customers, and he was like, you're going to learn to interact with customers, and you're going to learn to deal with a-holes. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if that's me. I'm kind of shy. And he's like, no, you're going to do this. And so he put me in such uncomfortable positions and make me do stuff <laughs> I did not want to do. And I would make mistakes and he would ream me for them and yell at me and tell me how stupid I was being for this or whatever. But he'd, he'd always say, you're going to thank me one day for this. And, yeah. you know, honestly, I would not be anywhere without him right now, like in terms of, you know, how he taught me to act and how he taught me to treat people and how he taught me to, you know, stand up for whatever I'm doing and stand up to him even you know the first time i stood up to him he was like wow that's that's good i that that taught you well (laughs) you know yeah i i think he's a he's a great person for those like type of life lessons i mean i I didn't get them you know i was a little bit older when i started going there um but you know i kind of you know saw a lot of you guys grow up i mean you and courtney and you know, Jake, I mean, you know, Zach, you know, Zach was a little bit closer to my age and, you know, he had dealt with Tom for a while by then, but I was, I, you know, came into the shop at a very similar time to you, you know, I think, you know, more, I'm pretty sure it was March of 2013. I walked into the shop and, um, and yeah, I probably told this story so many times, but, um, you know, I'm walking around, not really sure what I'm looking for, kind of looking for help and but not like saying that i was looking for help and you know tom you know came over he saw me and he's like hey you know you 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 never been here how you doing you know very cordial tom was very good about making sure you went over to the customer not necessarily you know like barrage them but you know just greeted them acknowledged that they were there you know i've been to so many shops where you walk in and they don't even give you a look unless you say something to them and I always thought it was a good business practice to, you know, you know, be cordial, say hello. Um, you know, I told them what I was kind of looking for. And, you know, it was a lot of modern stuff. I was like, oh, you know, I'm looking to read this and that and that. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, Zach, come over here. <laughs> so, you know, he had Zach like kind of set me up. But, you know, just being in that shop, I was so intrigued by like the old comic books. And he had like, you know, he had so many Spideys like on the wall. And, you know, he loved Spideys too. So like, you know, yeah. he, he would sell me so well on the Spideys and I was, you know, I was real wet behind the ears back then. So he probably, he probably got me to pay more for a bunch of them than I did. You know, uh, you know, I, I said this, you know, we had a little kind of memorial between our, you know, close friends last night, you know, just kind of standing in the parking lot of best comics, you know, giving our best stories. And, you know, one of the things I said is like, you know, Tom was, you know, an old school businessman. He's the kind of guy who, you know, squeeze water out of a stone. And, you know, but, you know, he, he was, he got a lot of different layers with him, like anyone, you know, there was times I went in and, you know, he just threw expensive books at me, you know, there's times I've gotten, you know, I got slabbed books, just he threw into, you know, what I bought, 
And then, you know, a couple times I paid a hundred dollars over for a book. So probably, you know, it probably balanced out in the end. But um, you know, he's he was a guy I really did like to be around. It wasn't like it wasn't in the store, like, you know, some stores you go in and somebody's working there, like, ah, I don't want to go there, I'll come back another time. You know, Tom was was an interesting character. He was definitely colorful. He had fun funny stories. Yeah. You know, it was just he was so knowledgeable too. You know, being in the industry over thirty years. I mean, he had experiences no one else had, you know, he's been part of this convention and, you know, hobby for longer than most people have been alive. I mean, I think at least me and you, uh, Troy Story, you know, he's been, he's been in the industry longer than that. So, you know, he, he had more insight than almost anybody we knew. So, you know, I, I appreciate him being there and, you know, he, he's the reason we're all friends, you know, you know, I wouldn't know you if I didn't walk into that. So, you know, it's, it's so weird. And I'm, I, I don't know. If and you wouldn't know Jim. Like, I'm not, if you exactly, read, because if I never start reading comics, you would have never stopped him on the train. Absolutely not. And I'll tell you why. So <laughs> the, I started reading comics digitally on my, on my iPad before I went into a store. And then there was some ad. It's like, find your local comic book store. So I did that. And there was two that I could have gone to. There's one in Valley stream I don't remember the name. I don't think they're there anymore. The other was Best Comics. And if I would have went to the other one, I would not have been buying comics now because that place was disgusting. And I, you know, I said you this in you know, our interview with, I did. And I, <laughs> I'll tell you the story after that. But the thing I had to say about Tom is, you know, and I said this in the interview, he always kept the shop very clean. It was you guys were constantly, you know, cleaning off areas, vacuuming in the store, you know, you know, what is it? Um, you know, he was very about um, presentation. Presentation, yes. You know, you wanted things to look the right way. You wanted people to act the right way. You know, and that translates to your business, and people want to be in the store. I mean, we we could be in there on a Tuesday and there could be 10 people on there on a Tuesday afternoon. You know, it was, it was somewhere where you didn't feel disgusted out by being, and especially for someone who's not like, you know, a longtime comic fan to come into a store for the first time and be like, Oh, like, you know, this is what I was expecting. You know, I was expecting, you know, basement creatures to be like, you know, dwelling in there. And it's just like yeah. all normal people, <laughs> you know, yeah. for the most part. And, you know, the other shop I went to, you know, I'll just touch on that story real quick is, you know, I went in there, I picked a couple books, the place smelled, it was disgusting, um, boxes everywhere. I picked out like 30 Spidey books I needed. I put them on, the, I put them on the counter. I think, like, yeah, I'll be back. And then I started to look for more. Didn't find anything else. I go back to the counter, but I put like a stack of books here and the owner's like, oh, those were yours. So I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, I put them in a box. He's like, which box? He goes, I don't know. I was like, oh my God. And I was just like, okay. And I left and I never went back. And I don't think he stayed open for much longer. But, you know, Tom was just, you know, he was a unique guy. Um, I know you, you came in a little bit later, um, JJ. What was your, well, kind of your first experience? My, my first experience with, with Tommy was 2004. I had my, my, my girlfriend at, at the time in 2004, which was my wife now. Um, she lives right – she, she – lived with her parents right around the corner, um, not too far away from best. And I had shoulder surgery and I stayed with them. They, they kept me at the house cause I needed to be, you know, watched and everything else. And I was in a sling and everything else. And I was getting, I was in the house for a week and I was getting, you know, you know, 
being stuck in a house for so long, I think I Googled. Scared crazy? Yeah, I Googled, you know, comic book shops, and lo and behold, there's one right around the corner, and it was Best Comics. And I remember walking in there. I was in a sling, and I wasn't feeling so hot because it was, it was probably about a half-mile walk, and, you know, I just, I just came off a of shoulder <laughs> surgery. And, you know, I looked at the comic books. I think Tommy came to me or so. He came to me first, said, hey, what are you looking for? I'm like, I'm just browsing. I just want, you know, I'm just, I'm out of the house. I'm just, I'm just looking around. And then I, I picked up a, um, a Star Wars figure and, you know, it was, it was brand new and carded in, in its packaging. And I was like, oh, this is cool. He's, I was like, do you have any more? And he pulls out these boxes underneath the, the, the tables and there was like, you know, 50, 60 of them. And I, I think I walked out of there with like 30 of them. He's like, well, you need this one too. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I only have one arm I'm trying to walk home with. And I think I, he gave me an awesome deal, and I, I literally, and I still have them. They're they're up in my attic right now. I still have all, every single one that I bought from him. Um, but yeah, that was my first experience with him. He was such a nice guy, and you know, he, I I was in a sling. He helped me out, and you know, bagged everything up, triple bagged them so they wouldn't break open because he knew. I told him I was like, yeah, I walked around the corner, and um, but yeah, that was like that was my first memory of Tommy uh, in that shop. And I've been back and forth every so often. Uh, you know, I bought books here and there, um, but because at the time, you know, I was living in Suffolk County, which is, you know, a good, you know, half hour away. So it wasn't it wasn't easy for me to get to that shop. But every time I anytime I really visited my 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 girlfriend, um, I stopped in there every so often. And, it, you know, he was always such a pleasure. Uh, you know, he, I didn't know his name at the time. He didn't know my name. It was just more of just, you know, a onesie twosie when I was going in there until I met you guys. Um, and then, you know opened up that friendship which was uh it's fantastic and just like you guys said he, he you know he had his moments but deep down you knew he was a sweetheart you know he 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 yeah. took care of his friends or people that he knew that was close that would come to store. like he took care of his good customers and you know you don't you don't see that a lot and you know even though you may overpaid you know at the, for one thing you knew eventually <laughs> you were going to get a deal on something else and yeah. you, you know Exactly. He, he knew I was into the Star Wars cards, and you know I would get these text messages from, "Hey, I'm I'm ordering this box, or I got this box for you. If you want it, come and get them." And you know, I don't know of any other really shop, a local shop, that would do something like that. You know, who just remember yeah. that this is what you this is what you like. So hey, I'm gonna hold this for you. And you know, even even if I didn't want two boxes, when I go pick up the one box, he had my name on the second box because he knew I was gonna pick it up. And it was just you know. Again, something like that, you, you don't get that a lot. And, you know, he was, he was, uh, he was a good soul, you know, deep down. I, was. You know, I, I didn't know him outside the shop. You know, I, I saw him at the conventions and everything like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hectic, you know, environment when you're in that, you know, in those, in those, in those moments. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I got to know him more outside as, you know, not a shop owner, just as a, as a, as a guy. And, yeah, uh, it was good. I got a, I got a lot of time with him for that because we used to he used to enlist me to go help him pick up collections and stuff. So like we'd take a drive upstate to, to upstate or to Pennsylvania or Connecticut or whatever to pick up all these freaking statues and whatever. <laughs> so like we'd have you know those car rides, you know hours and hours in the car. So he'd tell me all these like crazy stories like Nicastro was telling us last night. Yeah, you know he was, he was stories, stories we can't exactly share. On yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I got I got to know I got to know him really well during those and it was it was really good. Yeah, he 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 would pull out, you know, especially the days. And you know, listen, like everybody has their days, and you know, the comic book business is it's tough business. You know, it's 
it's up and down all the time. It's, you know, what you have at the time. But, you know, the, the, when he was having a good day, you know, he would tell us, you know, stories. And, you know, he was really kind of a almost a patriarch of this kind of dysfunctional family that we put together, you know, just by our mutual love of like, you know, the comic book genre and, you know, geek culture in general. I mean, you know, we, we spoke about, you know, last night about how much he loved Elvis and, you know, Steve McQueen and, you know, he'd buy like these, you know, Elvis figures and he's like, be trying to push them on people for years. He goes, these are going to sell like hotcakes. I was like, yeah, maybe in the fifties and the sixties, they would have. <laughs> but um, it was like, I'll be honest, like last night, and, you know, everyone who who's listening, you know, you know, who was there. Um, <laughs> It was really great, and you know, we we did our best to social distance, and you know, we had our it was a big on. circle. Yeah, we 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 did a wide circle, but you know, just seeing you know being in the vicinity of everyone and you know sharing those Tommy stories, those were uh, those were really special, and um, it was yeah. good to hear some some of the ones I never knew. I mean, there was a guy, um, the guy Rich that was there. I I never met him before. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he worked he back in uh, Great Neck when the store yeah. was still in Great Neck. So it was, you know, I think we had. What was it like 15 people there? Close to 20, yeah, 15, 20 people. Yeah, it was a lot. I was, I I mean, it was, I was shocked. It's it's a big parking lot, guys. Um, and and, and you know, what's nice, and you know, what's nice is, is, you know, Mike from Royal came, and you know, you know, they're they're two different shops, you know, they're competitors. That's how close knit this community is, and and that's what, and that's what really like made me happy. Like, you know, here we got a guy from a different shop showing his respect. And that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. We're, we, we hope to, to, you know, to do something else with them. Um, I think they're planning for something once all this is over. Yeah. I so. mean, as of now, you know, we, we won't say too much about it, but best comics is going to stay open. Um, you know, we have, you know, a few of our friends are going to kind of take on the mantle of, you know, keeping it going we're going to try and help out doing some stuff too. You'll hear um, some stuff uh, later on in the episode with Ali that we're going to discuss working on, but you know, best comics is still going to be there. And, you know, now more than ever, they, they really need you guys to kind of like call up and, you know, you can't, you can't go inside right now, but, you know, check out their eBay page, you know, call the shops, see what they have, you know, new comics are starting to come out. You know, put your orders in. If you can pay, you know, pay right away. Um, you know, this is our local shop. We're going to do everything we can to make sure they stay open. And, you know, if you guys, you know, no one can ask for you to do more than you can. So, you know, that's all we ask is, you, you know, you do what you can because, um, you know, we want that shop to still be there. And, you know, we want it to be, you know, a place where new groups of friends and family mm-hmm. can, you know, you know, come he, along and, and he would have wanted that to continue. And keep, Absolutely. And, and, you know, and keep Tommy's legacy going basically. I mean, this, exactly. this is what he started and you got to keep it going. You know, he, I think he, even he said in the episode, he's like, listen, I wouldn't be doing this for almost 40 years. If I didn't love it. It's like, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, you know, it can be lucrative, but you know, it's not like, you know, making billions of dollars a year. He goes, it's, you know, it's a passion project, you know, it's a, it's something that you love to do. Yep. So, um, I think that's, you know, all I have to say on it before we get too emotional. So. Yeah. yeah. And you know, if, if, <laughs> if you guys haven't heard the episode with Tommy, um, it's, uh, what episode was that? Does anybody remember? It's from just a few months ago. I think it's from yeah, February. I, I don't February. remember the exact number, it's, but yeah. if you just guys go back a few, 
It's the interview with um, with Best Comics. I'd I'd highly encourage everybody just you know give it a listen. Um, I know somebody just recently somebody posted on our um, on our YouTube page today uh, that they that they listened to the episode and, and you know he was very, he was extremely happy to hear Tommy's voice and uh, you know I, yeah. I I got that email you know that with you know with this comment and it it made me happy that. You know, we got somebody to to listen to the episode, and it made that person feel good to hear his voice again. Um, so, so I have the exact one. Sorry, um, it's uh, episode thirty four. Uh, it's titled "Interview with Tommy Maletta, Owner of Best Comics." Perfect. It's from February sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. So um, no, we're we're definitely gonna miss him, and um, you know, he's leaving a big hole in the uh, comic book community, and you know, and then. Enough and, yeah, to keep know. his legacy alive. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, um, next up, yeah. Next up, you know, we have an awesome interview, Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, stay tuned and, uh, hope you guys enjoy. We are very excited to introduce our guest today, a world renowned comic book writer known for Jonah Hex, Painkiller Jane, Power Girl, and of course, Harley Quinn. He also has a new Kickstarter that just launched called Pop Kill. Please welcome to Don't Feed the Geeks, Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thank you for joining us, Jimmy. Why can't we feed the geeks? Why can't we feed you guys? <laughs> because you're, you're we never get rid of us. That's the problem. Is that it? Once, Once you feed, feed us, that's back. it. Yeah, right. you're, you're, you're the first one to ask that question. We all know. <laughs> okay. So did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, Palmiotti. Okay. Because yeah. Billy Tucci tells us it's pronounced Mr. Amanda Connor. You know, <laughs> Billy could be a dick, but I love him. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, he means well, Billy. No, yeah, <laughs> Billy. I've known Billy so long. It, there's nothing he can say that's offensive to me. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. No matter what he says, he doesn't stick to it either. He starts giggling when he's even when he's mad. He starts laughing at me. Yeah, you're absolutely Deb, right. Deb, you have to watch out for. Him. Yeah. <laughs> She'll kill you. Yeah, yeah. So, how are you and the family doing? We're doing good. It's just Amanda and I here. Her parents live down down the road a little bit, so um, we get to see them. We check in on them, but uh, we're doing good. I mean, I just finished writing the uh, last Harley and the Birds of Prey book for Black Label, and um, so I currently don't have any Marvel or DC or any kind of work, which is kind of okay because I'm doing my own stuff on the side. Nice. And Amanda still has two issues to draw, so she's busy. She's got like three months' worth of work. Um, and, and, you know, I'm okay with her being the breadwinner for a while (laughs) Get to relax a little bit Yeah, it's okay I'm I'm actually, you know, I'm doing the Kickstarters I got a couple of indie books I'm doing that um, I'll probably self-publish eventually Or do Kickstarters for But it's kind of nice to get a break Of course, I don't like what's happening in the world Of course, that's shitty And, uh, you know, the virus stuff uh, the, this is the virus that, like, every day the information counteracts the last bunch of information right. we got. So it's really, yeah. I, I want somebody in charge at least to um, kind of, I, I feel like nobody's taking the responsibility of keeping us in line, you know, we, you know, uh, kind of thing. There's no Roosevelt going on or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I know eventually, I do believe in science, and I do believe they'll find some information and they'll get it going and everything will get back to a weird new normal. And yeah, it's a matter of time. We got to be, I mean, I, I don't like reading about Tyson farms today, but then I'm yelling. I'm like, Hey Tyson, you make billions of dollars, buy your people equipment. You know, right. it's, it's like, 
it's like we're really seeing the division of greed, uh, <laughs> how it works in this world right now, and it's kind of sucky. It takes you know? something like this to bring that out, I think. Yeah, it's you know, it's it, it's terrible. I mean, uh, people putting money before people. I think that gets you automatically in hell, and I don't think it's a very comfortable hell. <laughs> but uh, that's a story for another day. <laughs> That'll be a good one, though. Yeah, it would be a good uh, one. There's definitely going to be a lot of corona-type stories out there after this, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want to read any of them. No. no. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm going to want to do the opposite thing. I want to watch a West. I'll read a, re a Western or a, a something else. <laughs> So the way we like to start all of our interviews is kind of getting our guest origin story. Okay. So like when you were a kid, what was the thing in comics or the geek genre? It doesn't necessarily have to be a comic book that really grabbed yeah. your attention. Well, you know, so I had two older brothers, uh, my brother Vic and Tony. And so we had comic books around the house and, um, and my neighborhood. Uh, okay. Because I, I'm older than you guys. So I, I was born in 61 so my, my very, the years that like influenced what I loved was probably like when I was eight to 12 and comics were 12 cents and 20 cents. And, and, um, but we had comic books everywhere. Like we didn't have cable, we didn't have computers, obviously we didn't have any of that stuff. So me and my buddies would sit on my stoop in Brooklyn. I was born and raised in Brooklyn and, uh, we would trade comics. We'd read comics. I, you know, I'd read Fantastic Four and Archie's and my buddy had Superman's and Hulk's and, we would each we would mark the back of the comics with our initials, and then we would read everybody else's books. And at the end of the day, we we you know turn the books around and give them back to whoever brought them. But we shared all our comics, and then we'd have discussions: who's stronger, the Hulk or the Thing? You know, <laughs> we'd have like these major discussions, like you know about Sue Storm, like if she's invisible and he could stretch everything, what the hell happens? you know, in their house on the, you know, on a, on a Saturday night. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so like, we, so I grew up like having this group of people that read comics with me and we would discuss them all the time. Sort of like you guys here. That, yeah. I mean, that's how it started out. You know, we just started hanging out on Wednesdays together on new comic book day. You know, we would get dinner afterwards and just, you know, it grew and grew until we wanted to, you know, get more involved with actually doing something in the comic. So you guys met in the comic shop. We did, yeah, yeah, most of us. Yeah, okay, I met a, so, uh, I met JJ on the Long Island Railroad. I saw him with a Midtown Comics bag. Oh, there you go. You <laughs> over, hey, you read comics too? That kind of thing. Yeah. Really bullshit thing to do. That pickup line works still. Okay. Yeah, uh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for, for like, I, I'll tell you who I met in the comic store. In my local comic store in Brooklyn was called. Uh, 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 oh, I'm forgetting it right now. Okay, forget. Um, I'll remember it when I'm not thinking about it. But anyway, I met Dan DeDio there. Oh, Dan cool. Dio was a guy that was buying comics and we got to talking in the store. And then he told me where he lived. He says, yeah, I live near here. I live in this building. And I said, oh, you live in the building next door to mine. And I, and I was just inking comics back then. I was doing working for DC and Marvel. And uh, I said, yeah, dude, I said, if you want some comps, I get comps from all the companies. So if you want to take some books and boom, he was there every other week, taking every comic I had in the box <laughs> that I didn't want. Cause I got, comps i got a ton of comps back then um and that's how i met dan so that's that's kind of a small you know another comic shop uh people but but at, when i grew up so my brothers had comics my uncle had a barber shop on flappish avenue and he had comics in there and playboys of course little annie Fanny <laughs> and all those great comics. and um and then um when i got a little older i was like i want to collect comics and there was a store on flappish avenue and newkirk avenue 
called My Friend's Bookstore. And it was a, it had a billion comics in it. This guy, this, as a matter of fact, Paul Levitz worked there when he was a kid. He was the guy that would get on the ladder and go get the white box and pull it out if you were looking for a back issue. Wow. <laughs> and I went there and I used to, and I was like, okay, I want to collect Fantastic Four. So I bought every issue from one to 120, you know, and I would shovel snow in Brooklyn and I'd go there and I'd say, I need number 14, uh, Fantastic Four 14 and Spider-Man 12, you know, <laughs> and they would pull the boxes out and he'd put them all on the, de- on the table and then I would pick out the copy I wanted. And I remember the most money I ever paid for a comic, and it was later on, was $60. And I paid for a super, super mint copy of Fantastic Four number one. I'm talking about this was the whitest, (laughs) most beautiful copy. And then when I was uh, 16, I sold that copy for over a grand. Wow. (laughs) And, And I bought a Gran Torino with it, a used Gran Torino. And that was like my hotel on wheels for a while. <laughs> I discovered girls and said, well, comics can take a break for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and no one could blame you for that. No, and, and, thank, and, you know, thank you, Jack. And thank you, Stan. For uh, I actually, I actually thank Stan Lee for that. I told him the story and I said, you got me laid like a monkey when I was uh, you know, 18. And he's like, I'm really glad I can be a part of that. Gym. So, and, uh, so um, that sounded so much like him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can. Do, I've been around them so much. I, yeah. I for the for the last you know while he was alive for the last six years they had me host all his panels. So eventually you pick all that crazy stuff up. That's um, but that's it. So I always had comics around. And, and when I went to high school, I went to the high school of art and design. So I learned illustration and and uh, learned learned how to do comics. And um, and then when I graduated high school, I went to college. I went to New York Tech. I decided that there wasn't enough money in comics, so I got into advertising. Mm. And I got into advertising till I was around 29. And I got out when I was 30 and started comics again. And I went to work for um, a buddy of mine that I went to high school with, Mark Texera. Yeah. And uh, we went to high school together. And he was drawing Punisher and Ghost Rider at the same time. And uh, he asked me if I could help him with the books. So I helped him make ink the books. And then eventually I started picking up works and, and that's, and I've been working ever since. So uh, wow. that's my short, short history. So was that your first big job in comics inking? Uh, yeah. I mean, I actually, I inked some comics when I was in high school. I just ghosted for other people. Um, there was a couple of, I worked for Chick Stone and I worked for Dave Simons. I, I inked a lot of stuff that they did. Um, but I got paid nothing. Like we're talking five dollars a page or ten dollars a page. It was terrible, and um, and that's why I got out. But when I got back into Marvel, I, I, I you know, um, I started figuring out that okay, here's how I can make money on this. I can, I can, uh, and because I learned that, because I my training in advertising, I learned that if you make, you can't miss a deadline in advertising. So when I got into comics, they were like. Oh, this guy's hitting every deadline. So I, I started getting a ton of work because I started actually getting the work in, as opposed to everybody I knew who wasn't. So, uh, yeah. It's so funny because when we first started, I, I only really got into, you know, really reading about like 70 years ago. Okay. And after I got married, my wife was like, what the heck, what, what's this all about? But <laughs> right, when, when the, when the, uh, 
when the uh, polish came off the knob. So yeah, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so it was funny. I was I I knew you from most of your writing, and then all of a sudden I was reading this old uh, Spider-Man comic, and on the back is I think there was like a backstory. It said. Uh, inked by Jimmy Palmiotti. I was like, inked by Jimmy Palmiotti? I was like, he was an inker? I was like, I didn't even know that at the time. <laughs> I, I actually I actually inked. Is Amanda coming in? Although she's sliding back there. Are you sneaking in? I'm taking my shoes off. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he's not taking your pants off. <laughs> uh, I, I was looking today and some chart had that I inked 700, 976 comics. Wow. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> and I think it's actually more. I don't think they counted some of my own or some of the others. I think they were counting Marvel and DC. Hello, Amanda. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a lot of comics to ink. But I, I stopped. One day, DC sent me a, a book to ink, and they sent me a note inside, and they said, can you ink this book, and can you fix all the hands and fix the feet and fix some of the faces and add them back. And I put the I put the book back in the FedEx box and I sent it back to DC and I was like, never ask me to ink again. That's right. <laughs> wow. And I said, let me see if I can make let me see if I can make a, a living writing. You know, let me see if I can just write. And, answers uh, our next question. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, you're you're doing good. You're. I guess we set it up well enough where you're just uh, going into this. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always, you know, with, with event comics back in '95, Joe Casado and I, '94, we put out Ash and Painkiller Jane. We writing our own comics. They're, they're not the greatest reads when you read them, but there was an there was an energy to them. We were so excited to make them, and um, you know, I when I was doing Marvel Nights, I was you know, working with a lot of great writers like Garth and and uh, and uh, uh, Paul Jenkins and and uh, Tom Sanowski and Chris Golden and all these guys that I was like, I could do this. Like I kept reading their scripts and going, I could do this, you know. So <laughs> it's basically how I did. Eventually, you know, to get me to leave the room, you have to give me work. So uh, I would sit <laughs> in editor's rooms and say, you know, come on, let me do that. I think like the first writing, I, I actually wrote a year's worth of Deadpool which um, out of the gate did pretty well. I wrote the ones with Punisher, the one, those two issues where Punisher did it. Like I wrote, I was the first person to put them together. And which makes sense because I wrote Deadpool and then later on, years later, I did Harley and it all made some kind of weird sense. <laughs> you know? That was like back, like after Joe Kelly's run, right? Yeah, right after yeah. Joe's, yeah. yeah. And Joe, I mean, Joe was amazing. So yeah. I, I love Joe's stuff. So were there any other titles in Marvel that you wrote that people may not know about? Yeah, I wrote the well with Justin Gray. We wrote Daughters of the Dragon, Heroes for Hire. Um, I wrote some What Ifs. I wrote. Uh, I look on my walls. I wrote some a lot of Punisher books. I wrote some Punisher books. Um, uh, there's a bunch. I, I you know, there's, like I wrote maybe I, for Marvel, probably like a hundred, hundred fifty books I wrote, written wow. for them. Uh, most of the work I was getting was from DC, and they were giving me, you know, DC was. Uh, Marvel was great, but Marvel, like, like I was like the odd guy. Like, they, they would give me odd jobs to write, you know? Uh, wouldn't be, like, characters like X-Men or uh, Thor or something like that. They would give me, like, Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. And I actually preferred those characters because they had low expectations. <laughs> so uh, when things have low expectations, you can actually go a little crazy. <laughs> With the uh, with the books because nobody's expecting much. And, yeah, they, they, um, they don't let you do that much with Batman, right? <laughs> no, I mean I've written Batman, but like, but I'm more, much more comfortable writing Jonah Hex. And you know, when they gave me Jonah Hex, everyone's like, yeah, it's a western, you know, 
see what you can do. That kind of thing. Look, even, look, even Power Girl and Harley were like, you know, okay, see what you can do with this. You know, is there something you can bring to it? So, um, yeah, it's, you know, career's a, career's a crazy thing. I mean, it's a wild pet. Um, you, you, sometimes you step in shit and sometimes you, you, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, it's all good. Has it gone the way you expected it to at all? Um, no, it, nothing has. Um, I, I had, my expectations were, I hope I can make a living doing this and I hope one day I can write this character and I can write that character. I used to have a list of characters I wanted to write. I actually wrote every one of them. Conan and Red Sonia on the list. I got the right Conan at Dark Horse. I got the right Red Sonia. Wow. I I had Jonah Hex was my main one I wanted to do. Power Girl was a character I loved and they let me do Power Girl. Harley was never on my list, but when Dan the DO asked Amanda and I to do Harley, we said, well, we have a take on her we want to do, but we want to change everything. And, and they they let us do it. And that's the Harley you see now. Yeah, yeah. that's what came from there. That's um, <laughs> but I don't have that. I don't have that big list of characters. You know, if, if they let me, I wrote some Batman stories, but I really would like to do, um, I would like to do a, a Batman series where it's only about Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. you know? Uh-huh. Like because I think Batman, everybody's done everything, but you know Bruce is like interesting, like how he's got to maneuver these girls that he's hooking up with, and you know all this crazy stuff. <laughs> you know, I have much more to say about Bruce than I do about Batman. I think everybody said everything you can about Batman. That's of course. So, yeah. You know, so much so that they actually change it all the time. Yeah, right. that is a good idea because you don't get a book like that. No, and giving it to me would be fun. I, I think. Yeah. You know, the black label is not black enough for me. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. it, they it, got scared like a, a little. It's sort of like a beige label. Yeah. Right? Um, Agreed, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, even with this series, we're doing Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. I mean, Amanda and I are pushing the envelope as hard as we can, but we get pushbacks, you know? Yeah. We, we do try to – I do tend to do things that nobody else is doing. Language-wise, they let me do stuff, but then I some things come back. And I'm like, why can't I say motorboat, you know? <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean? That's so interesting. Yeah. So it's like really weird. But I can say fuck till the cows come home. But I can't say motorboat. Not in the sentence that I created, you know. Obviously, <laughs> obviously hey, we're going to go on a motorboat and go out onto the lake. Sure. <laughs> but, I, but if I want to, but if Harley wants a motorboat power girl, it's like, hmm. Yeah. You guys do a great job with the the cleverness of how you word everything and um, how you and how you guys kind of set the stage on Harley. I remember reading early on and I wasn't a big Harley fan until you guys started that. And I read it, I was like, this is just hilarious. It's I think it was just a fun book. And I think that's why everybody loved it so much because it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> well, it, it was a book that nobody was paying attention to. Yeah. Um, I got to say it was the least reviewed comic. Like people just was like, oh, it's stupid, it's goofy, it's selling like crazy, <laughs> but nobody was reviewing it. And I was laughing because I'm like, going, there's stuff that we get away with that you can't get away with in other books. Oh, no way. <laughs> but nobody was paying attention. I mean, I mean, we we actually had an issue where we catapulted shit and it hit the <laughs> yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I remember that. 
I mean, she had a burned beaver with her all the time. Uh, Ed and I wrote a thousand and one beaver jokes, you know, and uh, and we're still writing them, by the way. They come in handy. Um, but but you know, I I think because it was had this humorous tone, it wasn't a threat. Yeah. Right. If you could if you can get away with humor, you know, you can you can have your kids watch Animal House. You know, yeah. it has humor to it. Other than the scene with Belushi in the window with the girls, but you know, <laughs> there's this thing about humor that lets you get away with more stuff. Um, also, if it's not important, like they, it's funny because there was a there was a couple of months where Harley was beating out the JLA and Batman in sales, right? And and wow. people were like, why? Why is this book selling? And I said, come to the con and look at my line of people coming up. It's moms, it's daughters. Yeah, like there were like people that weren't even buying comics, were picking up Harley. Yeah, and I said, you know, I said the book is succeeding because you guys are leaving us alone. Yeah, you know, letting letting us do our own thing. And you're finally reaching a new audience too. I mean, that yes. was the great thing about it. Well, I mean, I, I think I think all comics should always be trying to grab the new audience. I always have a thing like the guys who read comics all the time. I have a shorthand too, right? We can get right into the story. But if you're picking up a book for the first time, you can't have the shorthand. So you have to have, no matter what issue, if it's Harley Quinn number 45, at one point I have in the beginning, I have to have somebody go, hey, Harley, and hey, Ivy, and hey, yeah. we have to hear the names being said. We have to have introduced, in a subtle way, we have to make sure everybody's on the same page so we can move the story again. Yeah. And a lot of people forget to do that, and that's why they get alienated with comics sometimes. Mm. Because they'll pick up like an X-Men issue and they're like, who's that? And who's that guy? And what's yeah, that yeah. guy? You know, so it, you have to do it in a subtle way. TV does it all the time. Like it's part of TV writing is it doesn't matter if it's Breaking Bad season four, episode three. Eventually somebody calls their names. They call each other by the names. They they show it a long shot of what where they are in Albuquerque. Like it's in every episode, you know, and comics, it's important to do that in comics, too. So I'm always trying to make sure. If somebody's picking it up for the first time, we kind of hook them in real quick, you know. That's that's a very thoughtful. It's actually a Stan Lee thing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. So, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Joe Quesada and how that started? Yeah, Joe and I met in uh, San Diego in 1991. Uh, we were both like rookies going there, and I met him online to get a hamburger at some party or something, and. Uh, <laughs> We were talking, and he said he's a penciler, and I said, well, I'm making a lot of stuff, and I think he was looking to get cover work, and I got him some cover work at Marvel, and then he brought me up to Valiant, and we did uh, Exo Zero together up there, that big, shiny, metallic comic, yeah. <laughs> and it sold like two million copies, right? And I was inking Solar at the time, and I was also inking Punisher, and we just became friends. We started hanging out. He was in Manhattan. I was in Brooklyn, and this was about the time when Image left all the guys from Image left Marvel, remember? Yeah. Mass Exodus, and they formed, uh, you know, Todd left Spider-Man, Jim left X-Men, and they formed Image. And Joe and I one day were like, we could do that, we think. <laughs> and um, so we, we put our money together and we formed Event Comics and came out with Ash and Painkiller Jane. But we've been buddies ever since. I actually just did his Marvel live show uh, a couple of days ago. You know, oh yeah, um, I, I caught a little bit of that. Yeah, and it, you know, nice. it's like Joe and I. We took separate after after Marvel Nights. We took separate paths. You know, I wanted to write and create, 
And he wanted to like, you know, run Marvel, which is, you know, great. That's yeah. not my kind of job. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want responsibility. <laughs> That's a big one. You know? it, it, well, it is because you babysit like 300 people. That's a joke. Great Joe job. And he's amazing at it. But I wanted to do other stuff and just do my own career. And, and, you know, and then we meet up and we talk and we catch up and then we say, you know what we should do? We should do this and that. You know, we're always doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, be, we it's just a, it's a friend. We became friends and uh, we worked together and we drove each other crazy and we had great times and a lot of traveling. And, you know, there's a lot of stories. One day there'll be a book. You know, um, I, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll have to be dead. He'll have to be dead. People are going to have to find the stories because <laughs> uh, neither of us will commit to them. So, uh, so how right. comics together. What's that? How long were you guys running that publishing company for together? Uh, event, I think it was from 94 till around 2001, I think. Cool. And then I formed Paper Films after that. When when we went our separate ways, he I formed Paper Films and he worked at Marvel. He was, uh, you know, the head guy at Marvel, wow. editor-in-chief. I had two buddies that were editor-in-chief. Dan DeDio was editor-in-chief at DC <laughs> and Joe was editor-in-chief at Marvel. And they both said the same thing to me. You're going to have to work twice as hard because people are going to think we're taking care of our friends. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, come on, man. I've been working hard my whole life. What do you think? Everybody knew you were friends with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but that was true. Right. They couldn't go out of their way to give me anything. They said, you're going to have to like finagle because if I give you anything, this guy's going to complain. And that, you know, because you're a buddy, you take care of me. And I'm like, I kind of earned it already, dude. Why am I having having to play by these rules? I'm sure just like everything else, the comic book industry is a very political industry as well, right? Yeah, you know, I, 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 it's, I haven't had that much because I'm kind of, I'm kind of friendly with everybody. So I don't, I don't spend a lot of time uh, being negative and I don't badmouth other people. Um, You know, that's great. (laughs) You know, I, I just don't, I just feel life's too short. And if I disagree with you, that doesn't mean I don't get along with you. It's just that we have two different opinions. I, I, I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly fine having an epiphany once in a while. I'm like, oh my God, I never even thought of that. I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> that something that, um, at the same time, you know, if my politics is, politics is different from you, it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't get in the way of me having something in common with you. Um, and usually the things in common with people are a lot stronger than the actual politics, I find. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I think every, everybody's got a different perspective. You know, our president, everybody feels differently about him. I actually knew him. I actually met him. I went to his birthday party. I actually have history in New York with him. Um, so my my not loving him so much comes from a place of experience. But if you like them, that's great. That's your business, man. Hey, you it's all good. I, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, it, yeah. It's all good. It, it doesn't. It's not going to change my comic, and it's not going to change us hanging out, and having a beer, and having Absolutely. a sandwich. It's just going to taste the same going down. I, I just think politics are like a no-win situation with people. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I think you have probably a great approach to it. It's probably why you've been so su- successful. Yeah, Amanda made a good comment. She said to me, she goes, you know, politics are like a team. People treat politics like a sports team. No matter how bad they're going, no matter how bad their season is, they're going to stick by the team. Right. 
That's a great analogy. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it's unfortunate because it's not based on facts. And it's yeah. here. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but, um, but you're not going to convince somebody else that your team sucks. Yeah. Right. It's really <laughs> hard. To, it's hard to convince somebody that their team's not. And then if they really do suck and they have the epiphany that, oh, shit, my team does suck. They're not going to admit it to you because <laughs> they're deep because they're already wearing the shirt <laughs> and the jersey and they're already yeah. have the baseball bat on the wall with the name <laughs> on it, you know. So what happens is, and it's also in it's good business for politics to keep us divided because they can get away with more things. Yeah. When we're united, we're we're horrible, man. We're horrible to deal with. Everybody's on the same page. Not good. <laughs> not good for rich people. It's not good for politics. When we're all like, hey, we're all pissed off. We want to be treated better. Everyone agrees. That's the worst thing they want. So politicians and government likes to keep us divided because then they can manipulate easier. That's my take on it. That's why I don't get too upset about politics. Because we're just victims of politics. I, always, I was actually talking about um, comic book politics, but that's okay. We went down. Oh, no, I know. Well, <laughs> well, comic book politics are funny, right? Because, you know, you have people hiring other people. I don't like that guy, or I don't like... Yeah, so everything's political. I mean, you know, when you go eat pizza is political, right? I like <laughs> to go to this guy because whatever. Yeah. Uh, he makes better pizza. Really? Because I think this pizza is so much better. Oh, really? Well, fuck yeah, me. they got to get the water from New York. That's the only way it's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll try. I'll try all pizza, but I don't have to love it. But I do yeah. love pizza, right? Yes, uh, we, we. I don't think anyone can disagree with that. <laughs> I, I love a hamburger, even if it's bad. It's better than not having a hamburger. So there you go. Yeah. So I, I think uh, we've mentioned it a few times. If there's anyone out there who doesn't know, uh, you happen to be married to a fairly. Uh, famous artist, an incredibly talented person uh, named Amanda Connor. Yes. Uh, how did your paths first cross with Amanda? We, um, she stalked me for a couple of, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that would have been a great uh, story. If it or cat. Um, no, uh, I actually met, I actually met Amanda. I was, um, uh, we had an editor at Marvel uh, named Hildy Mesnick who actually used to be like Frank Miller's right-hand person and uh, for a while. And she asked me to come in to Marvel and ink some Gargoyles covers. Gargoyles was a Disney oh. uh, animated thing. Yeah. And Amanda, I ate the first issue, which was a Joe Mad cover I ate. And then Amanda took over the book and they asked me, she asked me if I wanted to meet. And I came in and I met Amanda. She was up at Marvel. And I'm like, oh, well, hello. <laughs> um, but... but but uh, she was married at the time, so we were, we became friends. We were friends for uh, many many years, and I ate her. And she was she was complaining. They said they keep putting me on cartoon books. They keep putting me on like Barbie, and and I got her. Uh, uh, I showed her work to the guys at Harris Comic, uh, and I said, you know, she would be a great Tramparella artist, mm. you know, and they hired her. So I worked with Amanda. I was aching Amanda on years for Vampirella. She was doing just beautiful work. I think Nick Barucci, I think Dynamite reprinted a bunch of it in that trade recently. And uh, we became friends ever since. And then, of course, like her marriage went south. My relationship went south. And one day we looked at each other and said, hey. <laughs> and uh, and then we've been together ever since. And, and um, 
she's become quite, not only quite the artist, which I always knew she was great, but also quite the writer. And um, she's also one of the best, I think she's one of the best storytellers in comics, meaning you can take all the dialogue out of her book and still be able to follow exactly what's going on. Yeah. And she trained, she trained under Joe Kubert, right? So Joe, Joe trained her and, dra- and Joe, that was one of the things Joe said. He says, you should be able to read a comic without the words. And Amanda's books are very much, you can just throw all the words out and you can know exactly what's going on. And it's really funny because you think everybody in comics does that, but you learn, yeah. that, nope. No, no. a lot of people like to just draw people doing this, yeah. <laughs> doing that. You know. I've never, I've never thought about that until you just said it. But uh, you're, you're 100 right. I was like, every time you read that stuff, like, I think, did you guys ever do a silent issue on Harley? Um, we, no, we do like silent parts, like yeah. we'll take like three or four pages and do, you know, and it's all in the, it's all in the acting and the right. faces. I mean, think about. I, I, I'm going to ask you three a question. Who is your favorite comic book artist? Like, first thing that comes to your mind. First one. Jim Lee. Jim Lee? Who else? Yeah. You say that? Ditko. Yeah, Jim Lee. Jim yeah. Lee, same thing? Am I about? Probably Ditko. Yeah, Ditko. Oh, see, Ditko. Okay. All right. And, and you know, that's interesting. I mean, Jim's, you, so you'll buy anything Jim does? No. I just, I like his art. Yeah. What do you like of his? Uh, in the Superman and the bat and the poses. I like the poses. Yep. Like he does like very statuesque looking stuff, not necessarily as great a storyteller right. with his art, but he and you like I, how it looks. You like yeah, it looks. it's it's good as like a poster. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean that's and that's and that's and Ditko is a storyteller, you know that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean Steve is Steve stuff is like you panel to panel, you can follow the sequential. Yeah, like you said, a lot of those pages you could read without you know the word yes. balloons and absolutely you know. and steve's famous that scene where spider-man's lifting that you know he's under the water and he's lifted oh, not yeah. a lot of dialogue there you know yeah. so, i need it <laughs> but it's, we're, we're in a storytelling medium so it's a very important thing and the best guy the best people uh are the ones that the story tells so but that's how i met amanda and you know we we fell in love and you know it's still going so <laughs> still going strong yeah so i think between all of us we have like I, and, it, and it's funny, I think we all have different favorite stories that you've written. I mean, for me, I love the big con job. Like, I know it's one of your smaller books, but that was just an awesome idea. I felt like the whole time that was about William Shatner. I don't know why. It, you know what? You're not far, you're not far off. I, the, the idea came when I was I was thinking about, like, well, I was thinking about Robin San Diego. <laughs> that, was ba- that was my basic idea. But I thought, I was thinking about, I was watching at the cons how the cons were like kissing the ass of whoever's new, right? Yeah. But you had these steady B actors that were always at the shows, working hard for everybody, and they were slowly getting pushed back. Yeah. You know? And I mean, we have it in comics too, but they really have it in the acting thing. There's a real B level and an A level. <laughs> and I thought, well, what if these guys were just had enough of the cons and just wanted to rip it off? Yeah. And what would that story play out like? And of course, I, there's no way I was not gonna give this story a sort of happy ending. Uh, you know? yeah, no, like when I wrote it, there were the guys at Boom were like, "Well, is it gonna be like really sad?" And I said, "No, no, no." I said, "This is it. it starts out sad, <laughs> and, it, and then it goes to happy land." And I yeah. said, "Because I want to, I want to put down the story afterwards and go, yes, you know, that's that's what I, you know, it's too easy to go dark, 
I think yeah. when you go dark in comics, it's way too easy. Um, but to make somebody laugh and be happy about it, and you know, so it was one of those books I knew I knew it was going to be a hard sell, and it wasn't going to sell that much. But it was a story I wanted to tell, so it was great that Boom let us do that. You know, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I also I'm, I was a huge fan of Starfire, and even the Jetsons. The Jetsons was like a surprise awesome story. <laughs> the Jetsons was heavy. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Somebody told me this is really heavy. Well, because I I I. I the whole thing when Dan offered me Jetsons, I was like, okay. And I said, and I said, you know, what do you want it to be about? And he goes, he goes, look, it's a family cartoon. Make it about the family. He says, don't give me all this crazy politics. Don't give me all this crazy. He said, make it about the mom, the dad, and the family. I'm like, okay. And I said, I was thinking about Rosie. And I said, well, you know, in my world, like Rosie has to have a better connection. She can't just be a robot, you know? Yeah. So in the story to ruin it for the other guys, Rosie is actually <laughs> the the grandmother chooses to end her life and be put into a robot brain. So so Rosie is actually George's grand is George's mother. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Who never died. So mom is always there, which makes sense with the cartoon because Rosie's always fussing over George in the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought if we put the if the mother chooses to end her life with and she grabs the daughter, she grabs Judy and they both go to this place. And it's kind of inspired by Soil and Green. Um if you've never seen the movie, uh well there's a scene with Edward Jean Robinson chooses to end his life and uh I just thought, well let's take it further. Let's we'll be able to download our brains into something uh to live forever. But the but the basic premise of the Jetsons was the world is doomed. Everything's doomed. Everything's gonna. A, a meteor is heading towards it. The, <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know, the water below it is polluted, and it's a mess. Cities are underwater. Everything's going wrong, and then this family's gonna come and save everything. It, and it, uh, so a lot that's of fun. What the story was about. I'm gonna have to check this I, out. I up the. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's fun, and uh, Pierre Brito drew it. He did a beautiful job. Um, Elroy is a little couple years older because I have Elroy with a girlfriend, yeah. you know, and, uh, and Judy's like a film student, yeah. which, um, it just plays into, like I said, I, I watch those cartoons and there really is no story in them. No. no, you know, no, no. It's basically Sprocket, new Sprocket, yeah. you know, it's like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so when, uh, DC gave it to me, I said, okay, I'm going to make it. And it's funny because they, they were making a Jetsons animated movie at the same time I was writing the book. Yeah. And I just told DC, if they take any of my ideas, I want to take them. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I, I don't know if that ever happened, though. One day. Yeah. But thank you for that. Yeah. No, I, it, it was great. Both of those were great. I mean, even I think some of the smaller stuff, I mean, just because your name's attached to it, you know, you know, made me interested in checking it out because I know your style. And, like, those are really cool. <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, it's, I don't, like I said, I get offered all the weird books. Because <laughs> even my successful books are weird books. Like they're not the not the top three. They're not the top four. They're definitely not the books that make royalties. And um, <laughs> except for Harley, Harley was yeah. an accident, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as they say, accident. But um, I just like the idea of the the idea of uh, reading something that I don't. It's not normal. I, I read a ton of comics, guys. So yeah. You know, uh, I have to challenge myself when when I do something. Yeah, I'm I'm a big. Do you fan find you have them? You... Go ahead. I'm sorry. You first. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say, I'm a big fan of your Jonah Hex. I love your Jonah Hex and your All Star Westerns. 
I grew up, you know, in a time where, you know, you had John Wayne and you had, you know, you had your Clint Eastwood, you know, in those Western movies. And I, I, I've, I've always been drawn to those type of comic books. Um, so I love all those, all those Westerns that you've been doing. Hey, hey. And then also the, uh, hey. the Star Spangled War stories. Cause you know, it's, I grew up in a military family. I spent time in the military, spent time, you know, during the first Gulf war. And I just, I love reading stories yeah. about that type of stuff. <clears throat> well, the, the genre books have a certain appeal to certain amount, certain kind of people. Mm-hmm. Like a Western, you, you love the war stuff in the West and it's genre stuff. It's you're reading about a time that's different than our time, a place that's different than our world, what we're going through. Um, you know, and, and, it, and at some point, even a Western could be as out there as a sci-fi in a way, yeah. because these are not a world we live in anymore. The world's changed. Jonah Hex was interesting because I grew up reading Jonah Hex and I love Jonah Hex. Again, a kid from Brooklyn, a Western <laughs> is the furthest thing in the world, like cowboys. And, but it's fascinating, right? I love the idea that the world was cut down to, I'm a good person, you're a bad person, you're breaking the law. You know, it was a very simple time, but the more you got into Westerns, the more you realize it's so multi-layered. Mm-hmm. You know, the characters are so, and with Jonah, what a pleasure to write that character because he's a miserable bastard and I had a rule with Jonah he doesn't hurt animals and he doesn't hurt kids right and and then we handed in the first script Justin Gray and I did the book and and we handed in the first script and in that book a kid gets rabies and Jonah smothers him to put him out of his misery and they got that script and they're like what the hell is this (laughs) and I said well I said, I'm going to be writing a little bit of a different Western. And I said, this is, it's a mercy kill. And he goes, and they go, you're killing a child. You have him killing a child in the first issue. I said, I'm doing that because I don't want anybody to think they know where this book is going to go. That's cool. At any time. And I'm going to be pushing every issue for, and you know, we, we uh, introduced Tallulah Black and, you know, and I, the way we pitch it to Dan is I want a different artist for every issue and I want every story to end in one issue, you know? And okay. they honestly didn't think the book would be around that long. They thought maybe a year. And, um, and then all of a sudden the book got attention because people loved the way it was written, right? So it was like, he's like, well, and DC, and thank God to Dan DeDio, he was like, you know what? It doesn't sell that much, but we're so happy with it. Like every issue. And by the way, 70, 72 issues. I had 74. I think the first series was, mm-hmm. we never had a late book. It always came out the first week of every month. Awesome. Right. <laughs> so, cause I didn't want Dan to cancel it by saying, Hey, it's <laughs> late. Right. You know? So what, it, so that was part of getting different artists to uh, work on the book. That's where we had a different artist in every issue. And I had some favorites I liked, you know, like Jordy Bernay was definitely one of them I loved because he was a European artist. He was like the Joe Kubert of Europe, and I got him on the book. Um, but it was it was an interesting book to to write, and so it was All Star West, and we just took the genre and went nuts with it. Yeah. Um, but these books never sold well. They never <laughs> sold, and then they made that shitty movie, uh. and and they they said we you know and they said well it's because of your book we're making this movie and I said so then why don't you show some respect for the book and not film this thing <laughs> you know um, and I felt bad because we went on a we were invited on a set not by DC we were invited on a set by the producer one of the producers 
DC did not invite us. They didn't want us involved <laughs> in any way. That's funny. And that's why the movie suffered because oh, they didn't have Justin and I. Honestly, if they had Justin and I there and going over the script, because I read the script and I told them you got major issues here and they just chose to ignore it. And, I, and I'm like, when I saw that movie, Ugh. they asked they asked me, would you like to go to the premiere? And I was like, nope. <laughs> I had... I said, I have nothing to do with this movie. Yeah. So I don't want my picture taken with this crew. I had nothing to do with it. That said, Josh Brolin was fantastic pick. Josh did nothing. Josh was great. (laughs) The movie they put him in was bizarre. It was a bizarre movie. (laughs) I've never, I've still never even seen it because I heard so many bad things about it. No, no, you should, you should see it because it's not boring. Okay. okay. All right. It's one of those. <laughs> we, we should add that to our list of movies that we need to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies you can watch the three of you live and talk oh, that's through it. Idea. <laughs> talk through it, and people will watch that forever because it's the, there's like little glimpses of things in the movie that you're like, oh, if they only did this more, and if they only uh. did that more, you know. Um, that said, people come up to me and say they love that movie all the time, and I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to take that away from you. Love it. Yeah. Go ahead and love it, man. That's we're going right. to tell more people to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. So, Toy Story, you had a uh, question? Yeah, so do you find overall that you enjoy writing the stuff where you're allowed to push the boundaries a little more than maybe where you'd be given a little more, uh, like, less leeway, so to speak? Yeah, so if they gave me Batman to do, tomorrow and they said you're going to write new batman writing they watch everything you do uh-huh. right but they give you harley quinn nobody cares but when they gave a man and i harley quinn they're like do whatever you want they didn't even notice we were changing the costume every issue <laughs> you know and they, you embrace that freedom we just did whatever we wanted jonah hex too nobody cared yeah right i mean dan didio was the guy that made sure that happened you know dan is actually the guy that put us on harley as well um I, I think you know getting rid of him was like the biggest mistake because people are gonna people are gonna wish him back soon. Um, but anyway, that's my opinion on Dan. Dan's the guy who tries to experiment and tries to push the envelope and tries to take a risk all the time. He's also the only guy that when things go wrong gets out there and goes, "Yep, oh well, we screwed up," and he yeah. takes the blame for it too. <laughs> it's like a different kind of tough guy he, yeah. he is, and, and he'll do he'll do well wherever he goes from here. Um, but you know, and I, I'm, I'm I look. I love Jim Lee, so Jim's Jim's a new guy in charge. Let's see what he's got to do. I mean, he didn't get a chance to flex his muscles yet because of this virus. Yeah. Um, but Jim's a great guy. We love Amanda and I love Jim. Like Jim is Jim is a freelancer's friend. We love that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. Yeah. yeah. So so, what's your favorite title that you've worked on? Do you have a favorite one or um, favorites? Thank you, Jane, because I created co-created Painkill Jane. That's my easiest one to write. Mm. And like when I write it, I feel like I'm hanging out with her and, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know I, you know, Harley is really easy. I love writing Power Girl because Power Girl, yeah. Power Girl is like the straight man in a comedy. Like Power Girl, no matter what's going on, she's the one that rolls her eyes and goes, oh God, no. <laughs> you know, um, and people always, People that we always have the characters looking at her like the body, right? And yeah. It's Power Girl, and she's like she completely counters that. Whatever they think of her, she kind of, she kind of throws it in their face. So she's a lot of fun to write. Um, I also like I also like the Punisher. Um, 
I can relate to a guy who gets pissed off and wants to shoot stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't want to do it in real life. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand wanna, where he's coming from. <laughs> I know where he's coming from. Yeah. I, it's fun to write about him, you know, tossing a grenade into <laughs> somebody, under somebody's car. I don't want to do it. I actually yeah. want to do it, but not hurt anybody. <laughs> uh, but he's like a, he's like a wish fulfillment character. You know, you can write a story that's just horrible, and then at the end, you know, just do two pages of Punisher loading guns. Yeah. You know, and then him going out, and then just, you know, it was when I was working on a Punisher with Garth and uh, Steve Dillon. You know, we were laughing out loud at this at that Punisher theory. Welcome back, Frank. We were like in heaven doing that, but we <laughs> laugh like the bear just rips the guy's head off. You know, he just <laughs> Like we're laughing out loud and it's to somebody else. It's the most horrific stuff in the world. And I'm like, okay, that's our weird sense of humor. And I don't know if it's a New York thing or not. It might be a New York thing. It might be, it could eventually, be. It might be. It might be figured out that it's maybe a New York thing, but I also think the Punisher appeals to everyone on some level because everyone's been frustrated uh, and, and feel like they've been unjustly done on yeah. some part of their life and would love the idea of just going back and getting revenge. But the reality of that is not, you know, it's completely different. So he's, he's as much as a fantasy character than any of them. Yeah. To be honest sure. with you, you know, <laughs> um, but I, but he, he always gets away, you know, and he heals pretty quick. Yeah. You know? He's always, he's always near death and then he's fine the next day. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because with painkiller Jane, when I was doing painkiller Jane, I said, when she gets shot, it's gonna take her like thirty pages to get better. That was my that was my rule. Like she doesn't heal that quick. It's not Wolverine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so, no threat. There's no threat to Wolverine if he heals all the time. That's know? true. Well, that's why they always take it away from him. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your newest project, Pop Kill. Yeah. So you've officially reached your Kickstarter funding goal of thirty thousand, and it's still climbing. To, it's still climbing. Look, we got. 22 days. I'd like it to hit 12 million if possible. Why not? But I'm, right. but I'm half, but I'm happy it, it hit 30,000. Well, we were all lucky enough to get the mystery boxes right away. So. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Those, let me tell you something. It, it's like Patrick and I pack those up and Patrick, every time I offer like five more, he goes, please don't, don't. Because <laughs> it takes us all week to fill them. Cause we, yeah, I don't know if anybody ever had a mystery box oh, yeah. before. No, yeah. not, not this one. You, uh, JJ, I've had mystery boxes no? before. Okay, mystery well, boxes in general, right? In general, in general, like yes. in general. Oh yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Have, have you so ever? Our heard? mystery, our mystery boxes are. <clears throat> you get your books. You get what we consider the amount of signed books and special books. We throw those in there because we want to make sure you get the money. You feel like I got what I wanted, right? You got enough. You made money on it. You're not losing money on it. And then we throw in weird things. And some of them assign badges. Some are sketches and drawings. Some are rock and roll T-shirts I had from the eighties. Um, some are CDs and DVDs. And we just stuff one of those mailboxes with as much as we can and tape it up. And it takes us it takes us a lot of time to do the mystery boxes because we look at it and go, is that enough? We always do that. Is that really, is it worth double what they paid? And like, maybe we should, like, I'm like, Amanda, can you sign this book? You know, power <laughs> you know? Um, so they take us time. 
Um, but like this, we offered 15, I think, on this yeah. one, right? 15. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, as long as President Trump doesn't raise the mail prices four times, uh, we should be okay. Because he keeps, he keeps threatening that he's going to have the post office raise their rates four times. Uh, so if it, so our mystery box is fifteen dollars to ship. That means it'll be sixty dollars to ship. I'm hoping they don't do that. I hope so. I hope not either. I've got a lot of comic books coming from California. Yeah. Please, Mr. <laughs> Please, Mr. President, don't focus your attention on something else. Not the mail. Not the U.S. Office, okay. Um, we like them the way they are. Um, so we we pack each one of those up with a bunch of weird stuff, and a lot of times it's stuff that is given to me. It's one of a kind stuff. Sometimes it's old hats. Dude, I put things in them. I had one. I, I honestly, I found this thing in a store. Remember, ET had the finger, and you put plastic yep. finger on with the light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found a dozen of those, <laughs> and I threw them in everybody's boxes. One guy was writing me, he goes, "Where did you find this ET finger?" And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and I said, "It's a mystery box. You're not supposed to know what's in there." <laughs> so so you guys can unbox it on your show. We will. We oh, will. we're definitely going to do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, very so can you tell people more about the project? We've read the synopsis and it sounds sure. hilarious. So, so basically it's about, it, 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 it's, it's about the pop kill is about two competing soda companies and they're owned by con, uh, conjoined twins who were separated and now hate each other. So each company is owned by each twin brother. And one of the companies has a scientist, Dina Deluxe, who she created a, uh, She's she's working on this thing to keep to keep the carbonation in soda like ten times longer. And if you think about that for a soda company, that's like a billion dollar concept that my soda will never go flat, right? So the other brother is like, I can't have this. So he hires this this like really egotistical James Bond oversexed guy to kill or at least seduce the idea out of Dina Deluxe. And the and it just gets weird from there. It's it's actually four <laughs> issues. This is the first issue. Um it is the most bizarre. It's an adult book, so there's nudity, yeah. there's violence and there's language, bad language. That's great. Um it Dave Johnson hit me with the idea and I was laughing. <laughs> and I said, okay, I said let's take it a little further. How weird can we get? And you know, we, we just had a lot of fun with it. I got Juan Santa Cruz to draw it, and Juan is a guy I worked with on the last Hank Hill Jane book. He's done um, Twilight Experiment with me, The Resistance for Wildstorm. He's done a lot of books, and uh, Brian Reber coloring it, and Sean Denot lettering it with John J. Hill lettering it. So I got this team together, and actually Juan is working his way to the third issue. So we, we, we're going to actually have... The, oh, there you go. Pay, pay, <laughs> he, he drew the middle story in there with Monolith. That was okay. Nice. Okay. And um, so, so it's, so it's a crazy thing. And we, we figured out we're going to do the first one. First issue is 32 pages of story. But by the time we're done, the book's going to be 40 something pages because we're adding, going to add some extra stuff in. Um, and yeah, we just launched it on Kickstarter. The thing we did, it's funny because um, somebody, I won't even mention any names, right? Somebody was pointing out to me how other people's Kickstarters were doing better than mine. And I keep reminding people it's not a competition. As long as I hit my goal, I don't care what the hell happens. Um, but we do offer digital levels for five bucks. You know, you can get the book for digitally five dollars. And I notice a lot of Kickstarters don't do that. 
you have to buy more expensive levels, yeah. and I, I guess that's why they're. I yeah. like to think that somebody in New Zealand can just spend five bucks and get the book delivered in their email. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a awesome. different way of looking at Kickstarter. It's not a competition for me. I only compete with the fact that I want to hit my goal um, and keep doing it. So we're really happy right now, and I have a lot of stretch goals. I think we hit one stretch goal where you get um, let me get let me get the list in front of me. Where'd it go? Oh, here we go. Yeah, we hit the one stretch goal where we actually add another digital book. And then if we hit 45K, you get a Dave Johnson sketchbook in the book. So we add extra pages. That's why I said we might be adding extra pages. I keep updating my printer. I'm like, look, it's going to be a little bigger. <laughs> and then if we hit some other goals, it's actually going to keep adding pages. Because why not? Why not add like six more pages or eight more? Actually, it's eight at a time, right? So, you know, why not add pages? I don't mind the book getting thicker and fatter um i already bought all my shipping car boxes for it and everything so we're good but um i'm hoping in the next 22 days we can get it up going you know um like doing a show like yours even if i get two or three new customers ba-boom great you know success fantastic um if i don't get any customers tonight from it i know it's your show <laughs> no i'm kidding nice, nice. <laughs> i'm not sure you guys <laughs> No, but it's, it's, uh, the Kickstarter is a fun, it's perfect. You know, I've been doing, this is my 13th mm -hmm. one I've done. 13. So I've done 12. Yeah, this is the 13th wow. Kickstarter. Wow. I've done 12. I've never not got my product to people. Everybody's get their package. If they have a problem, they write me. I take care of it. I do not have, if I hit a delay, like with Painkill Gym, we hit a delay with the printer because we went to hardcover and I got really picky about the paper stock and that delayed it a little bit. But the book's beautiful when you get it, you know, uh, you know, uh, um, it, so I make sure the communication, I tell you guys, hey, look, it's going to be a week or two late. Here's what's happening. Here's where it's at the printer. It's on its way. You're getting it. Um, I treat it like the most important thing in the world. And the people I know, they're investing their money into it. So I treat them like like customers, like customer service, not in New York, but more like customer service in Florida. <laughs> And I don't know if you noticed in New York, you return something in a supermarket and they go, what's wrong with it? Yep. Yeah. And then you go, well, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's, or it's, it, it's bad. It went bad. Well, is it your fault? How long have you had it? You know, <laughs> here in Florida, I go, I am returning this. And they go, okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, but New Yorkers were ready to tell you what's, what's wrong with it. Right. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> But anyway, so that so you know, um, you're only good as your reputation, and uh, my Kickstarter reputation is. Uh, I, I always wish that Kickstarter would do a, re a ratings, so I could have a nice four star rating, and and they can. <laughs> That's a good idea. You know, because because there's a lot of Kickstarters. I don't know if you guys have a background where you haven't gotten your your stuff. I have. Has anybody? Yep. It's taken a while sometimes. Yeah. One one yeah. of mine. One I have of mine one, one. One of mine took six years. <laughs> I'll do you better. One of mine is like around six years old and I still haven't gotten it yet. Yeah. So yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, neither yeah. do I. I don't put up with that. I will send them pe money people back if I the, the money back to people if I can't deliver it. I will not take anyone's money. That's uh that's no good. Business. <laughs> yeah. Well I just I don't I don't sleep at night. I'd rather I'd rather make sure everybody's taken care of. There you go. You know? That's great. That might be a New York thing too, right? We want to make I sure think, our customers you know, are happy. We, we try to make it right. <laughs> you got it. So I'm sure there's a guy in California go, "Hey, that's too. What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so are there any other projects that you wanted to share today or is pop kill your current focus? Um, I, I, you know, I have a, um, I, we don't have a distributor yet, but, uh, I did a book called, uh, random acts of violence uh-huh. years ago for image and, uh, Jay Baruchel shot the movie mm-hmm. and we're looking for a distributor. So hopefully that winds up on the radar one day. It's a horror movie. It's a hard R it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard R, um, but it's a lot of fun, and Jay's a great director. Jay's in it, and uh, Anthony Williams, and uh, oh, the girl from um, from uh, Furious, Furious, uh, Fast and Furious, the one that plays uh, yeah. sister to. Uh, we were just, I was just looking at this. Oh, uh, Jordana Brewster. Yep. Yeah, Jordana Brewster's in it. Too. We were just talking um, about her the other night. <laughs> I, I, yeah, she, 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 she's, she's good at it. Um, and, and other than that, I just, you know, right now I, I finished my Marvel and DC work. So I'm doing the Kickstarter and doing my own books until stuff, you know, kicks back up again. I'm, I'm not worried. Like I said, I'm this. Look, this is all going to take. We're going to be doing this until uh, somebody finds some kind of, you know, I, I, I said Twitter today. I said I, I, every day I wake up to watch the news in the morning. I'm hoping somebody goes, that's it. We found it. You know, yeah, we found it. Science will do that eventually, <laughs> you know. Science will do that, you know. Um, yeah. So I have faith in that. Until then, we we are all learning to like what we really need in our house and um, what we don't need, and how important entertainment and art is to all, all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. You Absolutely. This is a lesson. <laughs> this is a lesson for the world because they have to slow down and realize that art. Yeah. Your music, your TV, your comics, your puzzles, your drawing, your all this stuff, we got we lost it for a while. Yeah. You know, a lot of people lost it for a while. And now and now they're now they're realizing, oh wait a minute, you know, art I do need art more than I do need algebra. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in a way. Or uh, you know, I always say we we you know, arts always get lost, right? The first thing they get cut in schools is yeah. art. And that's not good because yeah. art fuels all the crazy ideas, you know. Artists, right. artists envision. The scientists are artists. They they look and they see things that we can't see, and they imagine something, and that's how they that's how they find cures, right? They imagine how would it, how would we get this pointy thing to be round so this virus doesn't connect onto our thing? Like it's just a visualization is art, you know. Yeah. The way, you know, futurists, right? How important yeah. are futurists? Uh, you know, future, futurists, what happens is futurists see an idea or imagine something and then a scientist delivers it. Sure. Makes it happen. That's why they have a great combination with each other. Like a writer and an artist. Yeah. A writer and an artist. <laughs> well, you know, look, we're, we're like the, we're the only entertainment made other than the novels where you can read a story at your own pace because when we watch tv and a movie it's a difference yes right they, they're delivering it but a comic i could sit there and look at a, a page for an hour if i want yeah and then i could flip and then i can turn back if i want to like, oh that's what that guy was oh. <laughs> you know, yeah comics have this other other kind of thing that's hard and it's and it's visceral right it's visceral and you know um you know uh, i love movies and i love film but I do love my downtime with my comics and, and then and it's hard to explain that to people who don't read comics. Yeah, it's, it is. You're right. <laughs> you know? um, and that's why I, I, I think comic people are the most well-rounded people out there. 
because they look at things differently. And I think when people don't, I think that's when they make quick decisions. Like we really look at things. Yeah. You know, we really, comic people don't read a comic. They think about like they read it and then they think about it. Yeah. And they think, you know, there's, there's, you know, so there's a lot taught to us about who we are and how we are in the world from comics. We grew all, we grew up with a lot of these lessons. It's great if you have religion and you were Catholic, you're Jewish, but comic books actually taught us a lot of what religion has, you know, it taught us how to be good, how to be bad, what is bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, what is regret? How many comics have all the Shakespearean stuff? Regret, you know, and all this kind of, you know, romance, all that kind of stuff. So I, I love comics, but I think this time is teaching people even more. They love their comics even more. We're missing them. Yeah. So you guys heard it here first. Jimmy Palmiotti says all us comic readers are the most well-rounded people in the world. <laughs> they, they are. I, look, because look, people people take us. They they look at like look behind you with the statues. They look at the surface stuff, right? Yeah. And they and they make a judgment mm-hmm. on that, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You're right. And and so you have Game of Thrones behind you. You got superheroes. You have Star Wars background. Um, what do I have? I have a Mobius hook and some and Amanda's uh, <laughs> some of Amanda's original art. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> That's been um, sitting on the table the whole time. It's a beautiful uh, Harley cover for yeah. anyone listening. Um, and and they look at they look at this oh, art. No. <laughs> it's on the floor. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but they look at the surface stuff for our genre, what yeah. what we do, and they go, "Oh, you guys read comics." Okay, you know, or but they but no, actually, comic people are the most well-read people, and entertainment-wise, and they're well-traveled because we're interested in other places. Yeah, and we're curious. We're curious as hell. Yeah. Um. So I, I so I, you know, it's funny because I'll go back to Marvel Knights when they offered us, uh, Marvel offered us to take on some books. Joe and I sat there and and said, okay. So you're going to let us do four books. We picked the characters we wanted, you know, Daredevil and Humans, Black Panther and Punisher. And because we, we picked them because they were grounded and we needed, I wanted an ethnic, we both wanted an ethnic character with Black Panther and we both wanted a team that was a mixed race, which was in humans, right? And plus it's Jack Kirby and Stanley, great character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when we were doing it, you know, we, because we, we did a couple of favors for Kevin Smith on his films we asked Kevin to do Daredevil, right? We to please write Daredevil with us. And um and we said if we're gonna do this, I said we really want to get across to people how cool comics are. So how can we do this? So there so Kevin booked a bunch of nights on Letterman and Leno and he talked about Daredevil. Joe and I did some morning TV shows. We went on some CBS this morning and we talked about the comic line. We went out and did some shows. We did a film festival thing. And we went out and we sold comics as if you're going to buy Marvel Knights and you're going to buy our books, it's because you want to buy all four of these because they're cool. And we're cool. And we did stuff with Wizard. You know, Joe and I were in Wizard every month doing all this stuff. Because we said, we need to sell this as something that's cool. Like Comics aren't just goofy and forget. Comics are freaking cool, man. Like, how do we get this across? <laughs> and again, this is this is you know this is early, and this is before computers were just starting. You know, yeah. so we had to do all our push. Like, you know, we had to go to TV stations. 
we were on MTV talking about comics, like how cool comics, how great comics are. Awesome. And Kevin Smith is out there selling them, saying, you know, dude, dude, you know, Spider Man, oh man, you know, and then, you know how <laughs> Kevin sells everything. That's great. And that changed the world a little bit because all of a sudden superhero movies came out and then yeah. Spider-Man came out after. And, you know, and it changed our, 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 uh, our, our genre, I think for the better. Yeah. Got more people reading them, but we, yeah. but people forget they still have to keep doing that. We still have to go out there and, and, you know, the movies sell us, but I, I resent a little bit that the movie stars don't push the comics more. Right. You know, I, I really want them to do that. Some of them do. You know, James Gunn, God bless him. Margot takes a picture with a Harley comic in her. I love her. <laughs> you know, she could not be any nicer, uh, especially to Amanda and I. She's just so cool. And um, but I think it's a constant thing we have to do. And rem- and remember, it's like with jazz, it's another original art form, American art form. Comics and jazz are both created here. And uh, very important that we remember that and wave the flag for it all the time. There you go. And that's what Absolutely. you guys do in the show. You talk yeah. about it. We love it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So uh, I know I'm running for office somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. We can it for you. <laughs> uh, no, just, you know, like I said, I think a lot of people forget how great this medium is. And they, and they tend to dismiss us. Yeah. They love the movies, but they don't want to touch the comic, right? right? You know, I think it's changing though. I think there's a lot of good people out there. I mean, you know, one of the things we've said so many times, if, you know, I know we can't go to them right now, but when you go to a convention and you yeah. just look around, you know, I tell all my friends, like, just look around, like, especially, you know, in the big cities like New York and stuff like that, you can find any type of person, race, religion, you know, gender here. It's just, it's amazing the the, you know, the touch it has, you know, the comic books have. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we learned that with Harley. We, yeah. we, we would go, I mean, it was the number one costume in America while we were doing the book. Yeah. Crazy. Halloween. How My daughter's first, birth, uh, first Halloween, Harley Quinn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, it, it, it is, you know, again, we always want people to come, come back to the books. Yeah. You know, it's great to love the movie, but unless the company is making sure those books are in theaters, I don't know the impact, you know, I, I really, yeah, sure. you know, it's, and it's funny. And also, Amanda and I don't do conventions that do not treat the comic guests the same as the movie guests. Mm-hmm. And if people ask me all the time, why aren't you going to this show or that show? I want I don't want to call out the show. I'm just going to tell you to figure out why I'm not showing up there is because for some reason they're putting the comic guests in a room with nothing to eat or a box yeah. of the sweaty old sweaty sandwich and right in the next room to us, B actors, uh, uh, cosplayers, actors, whatever it may be, they're getting fresh food and you know all this kind of stuff, and they're, and they're treating us like crap. And I'm like, I don't do those shows. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. I don't blame you. You gotta treat us. If I don't demand respect, I'm not. We're not gonna get it, right? Sure. And that's how it is. It, the, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. It's an old one, but it, it <laughs> it's a goodie. <laughs> Yeah, so so if anybody keeps going, why don't you go? We never see you at this con. I'm always like, figure it out <laughs> until they change their policy. Yeah. We're not going, you know. That's true. Did I answer every question? Uh, yep, we have one more for you. I think so. Okay, go for it. <laughs> so especially now since we're all quarantined for the foreseeable future, what are the best ways your fans can find you and interact with you online? I'm really easy on 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 Twitter. It's just put my name in J Pom uh, J Pomiati if you want. 
Um, on there, and I'm on Instagram. Uh, my name again. Mm-hmm. I don't do Facebook, so I don't have that. Um, but uh, the best way you could, if you want to message me, you can back my Kickstarter and send me a message. Oh. <laughs> great idea. That's one great way. Um, but on, but on Twitter too, I'm, I'm, uh, my presence there is I, I I will answer you if you have questions on Twitter. I'm pretty good. With getting back to people, um, just have to give me a day or two. I do get a lot of messages every day. Yeah. There's a lot of people who need charity stuff done, and I and I get it. But unless I have an office with like ten people helping me, man, the, the demand is crazy lately. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You know, yeah. uh, I raise some money for shows, and I do so, and we have our charities we do and everything. But oh my god, it's like everybody, yeah. it sucks, right? It sucks that that it even does. has to exist. Yeah. Um. But uh, no, the, the, Twitter, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Instagram, I love because it's visual. Yeah, you know, um, yep. you guys are on everything, right? Every platform. Uh, yeah, we, we're we're on everything. We do a little. We're very light on Twitter, um, but we're we're very heavy on Instagram and Facebook. again the visual stuff is. Yeah. Right. Right. There you go. And you also have paper films too, right? Yeah. So if you go to paperfilms.com, that we sell our books. We sell digital books. We sell actual copies. We. Uh, have original art, Amanda's original art is on there. And it's basically a, a little wrap up of everything I've ever worked on or created, Amanda and I have done. So if you go to the website, kind of fun just to bounce around a little bit. You don't have to buy anything, just kind of check it out. And we do a mailer. If you go on and sign the mail, we send it out once a month. And it tells you what shows we're going to be at, what books we're working on, show some exclusive art. And we also give like coupons if you want to save. 20 or 30% on the art, you can, you know, save some you, money. And, and you get heads up on uh, Amanda's new art. So. Yeah. <laughs> Not the stuff I damaged. <laughs> yeah, you can see it better I'll, like this. I'll, like, I'll pay half price. <laughs> Sometimes she draws pretty big. This is like an actual large, you know, it's a little larger than a regular comic. It's, it's beautiful. I have, yeah. I have one thing that I got when you guys went to that um, Cradle of Aviation years ago, right when you guys started on Harley and yeah. I was like, can I get art from you? And I never got an art before. The first time I ever went up to anybody, it was, it was Amanda. And she's yeah. like, yeah, sure. And then I remember after that, you got a show in San Diego where somebody was selling like a head sketch for like $500. But I was well, like, I'm it, never yeah. getting rid of mine. The, the, the thing was, it wasn't that it was that the uh, in San Diego, there's like two guys and they were telling us, oh, it's, you know, for my kid. And this other guy was like, you know, I'm getting this. And then it wound up on eBay that night. Of course. And, and, you know, Amanda's like, I did them for next to nothing. What she did is she did a bunch of drawings for people. And we told them to go take the money to Comic Legal Defense Fund and bring it over there mm-hmm. and pay them. Like, she did a sketch for you and said it was $100. You were supposed to go, you know, person goes over and gives it. A lot of people weren't doing it. Yeah, so, that's a shame. Yeah, I mean... But, you know, it, it, for the most part, 99.9% of the people are straight shooters. Yeah. Once in a while, you just get some asshole. And, you know, it's usually the same yeah. four guys, you know. It's usually... You yeah, know, I know which guys you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's not us. Hey, look, they got to eat, too, I guess. Yeah. But, um, you know, okay. she, Amanda's... The, the thing with Amanda in drawing at cons is she hyper-focuses. So if she draws, she can't... Sign, right? Can't sign, and yeah. she can't listen to people because it's such a tough environment for that yeah so she's not that person like jim lee can knock it out and you know some of the guys can actually i can sketch pretty quick at a con but she's definitely a a precision person so we've never thought to ask him for art next time (laughs) if you bring me a hardcover uh jonah hex or a hardcover daredevil 
or hardcover, uh, any, any hardcover, <laughs> Aquila Jane, okay. anything like this, if you bring it to me, I will always do a drawing in it for you. This is open to anybody. That's right. fun. If you bring me one of the hardcovers, I will do a quick sketch for you. Daredevil's head, a Jonah Hex head, whatever, whatever you need. I, I, right. every, I always do it. So, so we're gonna do a goodbye for the show, but if you could just hold on five minutes afterwards, we're we're gonna so so we're gonna thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we know your schedule schedule must be pretty hectic, you know. We appreciate yeah, you looking from here to the living room. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you uh, looking out for your fellow New Yorkers. Thank you, and uh, giving us the opportunity to speak with you. We can't wait to see what uh, what happens with Pop Kill, and uh, we look forward to all your future projects. So, thank you, thank you again, Jimmy. Appreciate it, man. All right, that was our interview with Jimmy Palmiotti. Really awesome interview. He had a lot of great insights, a lot of great stories, and we're really excited to see his Kickstarter pop kill come out real soon. Yeah, really excited for that. Awesome. All right, so now we're going to cut over into our talk with Ali at Elite Comics 11. We're going to talk about his upcoming AtCon 2, his virtual Instagram uh, convention. Uh, it's going to be really cool, and we're also going to talk about the ne- next couple of Remedy Tour stops we have coming up. All right, so as promised, welcoming back today, Ali of Elite Comics 11, here to tell us all about AtCon 2. Welcome back, Ali. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, man, yeah. good to see you again. You're like uh, you're one of our recurring guests now. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, I'm proud to be. Um, so, yeah, AtCon 2, let's get right into it. I mean, AtCon 2... Uh, I'm sure people have started to see the announcements. I mean, we kind of opened with a bang. I mean, we have CGC, Diamond, and WADA Games as corporate sponsors. That's Um, That's awesome. The scope of this AtCon is going to be much broader than last time. It's much more ambitious. Um, A lot of people have been following the Remedy Tour we're doing with shops that can't open because of the COVID-19 restrictions. So you've seen the live sale format. That's going to be a big part of AtCon in conjunction with the traditional consignment posts that you see on Elite Comics 11. And I'll just, I, you know, I can't really make any huge uh, reveals right now on the artists and celebrity front, but there's going to be a lot of them. And there's going to be a lot of live con. Basically, the theme of this AtCon is going to be live content, a lot of live content. So that's what we're focusing on. That's what's going to make it so much better than the last one. So in terms of like for people who have never been on one of these, you know, remedy tours or have seen any of this. So what's different about this than, you know, just kind of someone going on and having a live sale of comic books. For remedy tour or what we're going to do? Oh, no, no, for Atcon. Like, so what's going to be different about uh, Atcon and just a regular like stream? So Acon, as you can imagine, space is somewhat limited. So the, <laughs> the vendors that we're going to be featuring, uh, we're going to call them featured vendors. They're going to have live sessions during Acon. They're going to be the cream of the crop. They're going to come with their A face and their A, a game. And they're really going to be masters of the craft. And things are going to be really organized and streamlined. And um, I mean, it, it's just, it's going to be the A game. And so we're taking techniques that we're using, that we're, you know, developing and using during Remedy Tour with, you know, it, it's a mix of all kinds of stores. Some people are really struggling with some of the technology and we help them through it. Some aren't. It's like a mixture. But for Atcon 2, I mean, we're going to have everything down. I mean, it's going to be 
um, we're going to have time to practice. We're going to have time for consistencies um, that we just don't have when we're just doing a different shop in a different location every week for these remedy tours where the focus right now is to just find people that need help and help them. Um, you know, Atcon 2 is going to be a lot more um, polished, say that. So last year you guys had like panels and cosplay contests. Are you going to do the same again? Yeah, definitely. Except, um, again, last time we were, you know, no one had ever done an online convention on Instagram. So it was the first time we tried some pre-recorded things. Um, they were interesting, but they weren't as engaging as something live. Now we have so much yeah. more familiarity with the live format that we want to make sure that, I mean, I want to try really hard to make every discussion panel live. And that's the goal you know, with the COVID-19 stuff and, you know, there could be an artist or celebrity that isn't, you know, comfortable with the technology, even with our working with us. So I could see that there might be a few pre-recorded bits, especially if we do a few really ambitious things that I'm planning. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I'd say at least 90% of it's going to be live. Wow. That's awesome. That's nice. Yeah. <clears throat> so across how many days do you think this is going to be? Yeah, we're, I know it's going to be multiple days. I would say, you know, somewhere between um, three to five days. Wow. It, there's a lot of content. Um, I would say at least three days at this point, And don't be surprised if it gets closer to five. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> That's a huge undertaking. Very cool. It is. And I've actually, um, you know, I have some help. I have great people working with me. It's not just me. Um, and we were kind of talking a little bit before we started here that for these live sessions, I'm definitely going to have help. <laughs> so I'm not going to be sitting there the whole time just me like I have been for a lot of these remedy tours. Yeah, just sitting there for <laughs> nine <laughs> hours without barely even getting yeah. up. Giving you a lot of credit oh, for yeah. that. We've, we've been there for the nine full hours too, but we have the luxury of going to the bathroom and taking breaks to eat and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I kind of sucked it up to get it off the ground, but even now, uh, pretty soon on the Ramy tour, I'm going to start uh, switching off with some help and, and kind of get them. It, it, in a lot of ways, we're prepping for ATCON in, in some of this Ramy tour, um, in some of these Ramy tour stops. We're You're figuring out how these things work. Yeah, we're learning the technique. So, cool. is there anything different that you that you're doing this year that you didn't do last year? Uh, for Atcon? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So last time, all the live sessions, like the discussion panels, that they were in-house elite comics only. So mm. it was me, Bill, or someone here, Joe as well, um, Joe Foft, uh, Bill Bowers teammates of mine um we did all the live panels here now you know again with the with the practice we've got through the remedy tour with the split screen live sessions we're going to be bringing people in we're also going to have a physical location in southern california where we can um film people live um there as well and we'll be able to interact live so like the live component and not just being limited to people that were are actually here in Elite Comics 11 Center, but people that are across the country, that's going to be the huge difference. Cool. That's awesome. Wow. 
I'm excited for Very this. Very cool. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think it's worth noting for anyone who didn't know this, but you started this before any of this COVID, you know, you know, quarantine stuff came up. You know, you started this last year as kind of a, a bold idea that's kind of becoming a norm now, whereas, you know, people need something like this and you were kind of providing the service, you know, before it was even, you know, you know people looking for it, which is awesome. But, yeah, I mean, when I did the first ACON, it really was just a thank you to the Instagram community and none of this stuff had happened yet. And uh, frankly, uh, I didn't plan to do another one until sometime next year. Um, but just the when I was looking around, just seeing all the conventions being canceled, I mean, and for yeah. good reason. So it just, there was a need and I just decided, you know, let's do it. But this time let's bring in a lot of new partners. Let's make it bigger, bolder. And that's exactly what we're doing. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think the time is now, um, or at least in late June, that's, that's a, <laughs> there's a lot of work between now and then. We really want to deliver something special. So, but we are hard. So no at confirmed dates yet, right? Just as of now, late June. I am in talks with some really, really interesting guests. And okay. for that reason, I haven't set specific dates yet, but I think the target right now is late June. Awesome. Very cool. Cool deal. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, ex we're excited too. You know, I think this is going to, you know, provide a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of necessary distraction and uh, happiness to, all our fans out there and people in general. Yeah. <laughs> and amazing. I'll just say, I'll say, you know, like I said, our, our premier sponsors are CGC diamond and WADA. And I'm working with them that they're going to actually go beyond just being sponsors. They're going to have some interesting involvement in the event as well. So awesome. I'm excited to announce some of that in the future. That's really nice. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned that WADA is one of the, um, sponsors you know just in the last couple of weeks or you know month maybe we've seen an explosion of these um you know graded video games everywhere so it's just you know they're very you know they're very prominent in the in the marketplace right now so it's the collective marketplace at least yeah. so that's really cool to see them uh, you know participating in this yeah we talked about it a little last time i mean in yeah. terms of like at least my demographic like those original nes games that's my childhood right there so <laughs> yeah. you see a lot of people a lot of people that are into these graded comics like the a natural transition is like the, these graded games it's not too far apart so one interesting concept that i'm sure is going to be a huge part of you know wada's involvement during atcon is just talking about the differences and the sim similarities between the two so mm -hmm. that's awesome. uh, we get a lot of us understand graded comics we can apply some of that to graded games, um, yeah. but there are also differences that I'm sure, you know, just the education alone. And I'll also reveal that um, one thing I'm interested in doing uh, apart from just kind of providing the educational discourse is to um, offer up some graded games for sale during the event. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, we know Toy Story is already already interested. We've got the wheel spinning. <laughs> <Yeah, we'll see. laughs> awesome. Do you, uh, do you guys have any more questions for him? Oh, it's just crazy how far like this, uh, like these online sales like this on Instagram have come in just a couple months. You know, like when you first did Atcon a couple months. When was it? The beginning of this year? That you first did. That it? was in February. Yeah. 
yeah, like I, I remember us being just like surprised at that very idea. Like, wow, no one's, you know, no one's done anything like that before. And now these Instagram sales, these live environments that you see all the time now, it's crazy just how far it's come in such a short time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they say, what is it like uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I think that that's yeah. kind of what's true. going on right now. <laughs> Everything's just so true right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I know we're all excited for it. Um, I hope everybody, you know, who's listening to this definitely, you know, stays posted, uh, follows at elite comics, uh, at elite underscore comics 11. That's correct. You you know, you'll have all the information there. We'll be, you know, obviously sharing the information on, you know, all our social media sites as well, but um, we're really pumped. uh, You know, we're excited. We're going to have some involvement in it as well. And, uh, you know, we look forward for more information. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to have you guys on board. We're we have been discussing some really interesting uh, involvement on your end, so I'm I'm happy to have you on board. I'm proud of that, and um, yeah, I mean, I would just say I don't know if we're gonna talk Remedy Tour, but I will just point out: Are we gonna yeah, go, go ahead and yeah, you can talk, yeah, jump right into it. <laughs> so yeah, so I've been doing Remedy Tour, which for those of you who haven't been watching on Elite Comics Eleven, it's a series of live stream events where we bring in like a local comic shop, usually sometimes it's a dealer that has been impacted by um, the COVID-19 restrictions and closures. And so we've been doing several of those shops and dealers. Um, But I noticed I'm a West Coast guy. We're here on the West Coast. (laughs) It's been a little West Coast heavy. Uh, We started out on the East Coast um, with Royal Collectibles, but I wanted to get back, you know, out of California. So this Saturday, actually, we're going to go to Silver Age Comics in Queens. We're going to go back to the East Coast. And uh, one of the most interesting things, uh, you know, that we've been talking about, Long Island comic uh, book guys and, and Elite Comics Lab, and is that you guys are going to help facilitate some more East Coast involvement on this tour. There are a lot of people that need help. So I, yeah. I really appreciate you guys agreeing to do that. And I'm looking forward to working with you guys on that. So Absolutely. are we. We so are we. We appreciate you, um, you know, thinking of us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Good all stuff. right. Well, you guys heard where we told you to uh, stay tuned for all the information, you know, at, at Elite Comics 11, at Long Island Comic Guys. Um, you know, of course, subscribe. And if you're not already subscribed, to Don't Feed the Geeks. And, uh, you know, we'll have, I'm sure we're going to have more updates with Ali in the future about what's going on. So uh, this won't be the last time you're hearing uh, from him. <laughs> But uh, thank you again, Ali. We appreciate you joining us today, and uh, we look forward to more information. Yeah, man. Right. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to wrap this up. Thanks to Ali at Elite Comics for that uh, update on the AtCon 2 uh, coming in the next couple month, months uh, on Instagram. Uh, and again, thanks to Jimmy for that awesome interview. Um, we had a great time, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we could do that again. Um, so I guess until next time, remember, don't be the geeks!